0: You're listening to the Faith Roots audio podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. We're talking this month on the Faith Roots podcast about how to turn a trial into a triumph. And God is involved in that, no doubt about it. But you are the one who makes that final determination. So let's go to the book of James, chapter 1. We're going to read a very counterintuitive instruction. My brothers, count it all joy, verse 2 says, when you fall into different kinds of temptations, knowing this... Now, I want you to pay particular attention to the first word of verse 3, knowing. This is something that you will have to do ahead of time. The knowing that the person who's tempted does is something that they have prepared before that temptation ever came. You don't suddenly know when you're tempted. It is knowledge that you have before the temptation That is going to get you out of that temptation in victory. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, temptation is not a personal attack. And that's the first thing that comes into your mind when you are tempted or when you fall into a trial. Remember, temptation is an appeal to get you to do something wrong or harmful. Uh, Testing or trials are those circumstances that beset you that come around you from the outside to attack. All right, the object of a temptation is not personal. So don't spend one second wondering, why me? Why is this happening to me? And I'm going to tell you the more difficult the attack is, the more prone you will be to think this when something catches you off guard and it's sudden and here it comes and you weren't thinking about it, it just pops up. Uh, Your first thought is, why is this happening to me? Did I do something wrong? Did I leave a door open? Why is this happening? Well, let me just settle it for you, okay? You're in the earth. Satan is the God of this world. You belong to God the Father. Satan hates God the Father. He can't do anything about God the Father, but you look like God the Father, so he attacks you in the place of God the Father. Now, I wasn't even saved when this happened. There was a kid who lived next door to us, He had a buddy, and I, as a 16, 17-year-old football player, looked at these guys, and my thought of them were they are punks. They were the kind of kids who would murmur, whisper, laugh when you walk by, say little things, but never openly to you. But they were careful how they behaved around me because I had the ability to thump both of them at the same time. I had a younger brother, though, who wasn't quite as big as me. And so they gave him fits. And whenever he would come and they would see him, they would say things to him and pick at him, try to cause problems for him. So he told me about it. I knew that the real target was me. So one day I had a little talk with him. Uh, Didn't take long. And I won't tell you exactly what I said to him. Remember, this is before I accepted Christ. But I got these guys and let them know and know in no certain terms that my brother was off limits. And if I heard that they bothered him for any reason, I was coming directly to them. And that pretty much ended it all right there. Now, do you think that God is going to sit back and do nothing in your defense when the enemy comes at you because you look like God? Absolutely not. God is never going to set back. Therefore, He has a response. His love for us is far greater than my love for my younger brother. Do you not think that His response is fitting and also effective? So when people have this feeling or this thought that cries out and says, God... Why aren't you doing something? That thought itself is an attack against the integrity of God. He not only is doing something, he has done something. He has done something very effectively to help you eliminate this threat and come out of this temptation. But if you do not know it, if you have no knowledge of it, you cannot win. So pay attention to the first couple of verses we read. Count it all joy when you fall into temptations knowing. What do you know? Do you know how to respond? When my daughter Charity was nine years old, she fell in a gym and actually it was a warehouse, was crawling on some boxes playing hide-and-go-seek with some of the kids whose dads were playing ball with me. And uh, she cracked her skull and developed a blood clot. First thought that I had when I was at the hospital and they showed me the CAT scans and how serious this was. And I could tell from the way they behaved because we went to the emergency room, we weren't there two minutes. Uh, Long enough just to get our insurance card and get identification, get her checked in legally and so forth. And the next thing you know, we're in ICU, uh, pediatric intensive care. And I'm being met by, not nurses, I'm met by neurosurgeons who are talking to me about the situation that my daughter is facing. And I can tell this is really serious. And the devil is coming at my mind with every unbelievable thought about my daughter's death. I mean, it was a horrible attack. You don't think I was thinking, why me? Why me? Why is this happening to me? But I had enough sense to know that is destructive thinking. Don't even go there. It is a total waste of energy. It doesn't matter why it happened. It happened. When you start focusing on the why it happened, you won't get into how to stop it from having its full effect. Now, let me show you First Peter chapter five and verses eight and nine. Fascinating uh, set of, of scriptures here. First Peter five, verses eight and nine, and it has to do with temptation. It says, "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, and that word means opponent in a lawsuit." and also means slanderer. The devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour." Several key words there. He's not a roaring lion, but he likes to act like one. So for all intents and purposes, we have to learn to put up with that roar, even though if we know how to deal with it, it's not dangerous to us. He is looking for those whom he may devour. That implies a permission. He can't devour just anybody. He can bring circumstances against anybody, but that doesn't mean that he can push them through to their full effect. He may set those circumstances against you. It's what happened with Daniel in the lion's den. We've talked about it earlier, how that the lion's den was a real threat. The devil set these circumstances against him, but they did not have their full effect. We think sometimes that because a trial has started that it will end to its original purpose, and that's not so. You and I have the power to actually turn that trial into something of triumph, and that's what faith is designed to do. It's designed to turn it around. Now, the issue at hand is this. Satan has come to see whether or not you will respond in faith. He doesn't care about uh, building your faith. He isn't uh, wrapped up in that. He doesn't want to see you develop spiritually. But he knows that if you have no faith, he can run roughshod over you. So listen to this. He's looking for whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. It's faith that's going to get you out of this. Knowing, knowing, there's that word again, knowing. If you don't know something, you're in trouble. But you do your knowing before the trial ever happens. And that's where a lot of people get into trouble. They do not prepare ahead of time. Uh, I was prepared ahead of time when my daughter fell. I knew how to respond. I didn't necessarily want to have to do that, but I had no choice. So I kicked it from feeling mode into faith mode because of what I knew, and we turned that trial into a triumph. Whom resists steadfast in the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You know what that means? It means that Satan uses these things against people all the time. You're not the only one. You may be the only one that you know of right now who's going through your particular trial, but don't you think for a minute that you're the only one who has ever faced this. There are loads of people who've been in your situation and have beaten it, they have turned it, they have had victory because of something that they knew ahead of time. Let me read this from the Passion Translation. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kinds of troubles that you endure. Satan attacks them too, you're not the only one. Now. What is it that He comes to attack? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because Jesus tells you exactly how He operates, what His strategy is, what His target is. He taught them many things by parables and said unto them in His doctrine. And this is the Gospel of Mark, and it's uh, chapter 4. We're going to start reading right now in verse 3. "'Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow.' And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground where it had not much room, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. Uh, w- when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root, withered away. Some fell among thorns, and so forth. We, we go on. Only one of these four types of soil bore fruit. Now what is it that we want to learn from this? We want to learn... About why the enemy attacked and what he was after. So later on in the parable, beginning at verse 14, Jesus explains it. He said, The sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. What is Satan's target? The word. Satan knows that if he can take the word away from you, if He can keep you from acting on the Word, if He can neutralize the Word that you've heard, if if you're paralyzed and don't operate at it, then He knows He can beat you. Now listen to me. When my daughter fell and developed that blood clot, I didn't get on the phone and call everybody I knew. I knew that this was a battle of faith for me. I knew that I was the one who counted. I made certain that not one word of unbelief, failure, fear, or death could come out of my mouth. I refuse to allow it to happen. My verse was Mark eleven twenty three. 23. Jesus said, "'If you say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe those things that you say shall come to pass, you'll have whatever you say.'" that verse was perfectly structured for me. Jesus didn't say, you'll have whatever you think. If I had had what I was thinking, my daughter would have died because I was seeing mentally in my mind her death. I saw it in a number of ways. I saw the aftermath. I saw her death not only in the moment that she died, I saw it for weeks and months afterward. I saw the terrible effect of her death on our family. I refused to go after those thoughts. They would come at me, but I answered them immediately with the scripture. This was what was amazing to me. When I would speak that scripture, peace would immediately take charge of my mind and heart. When I quit talking, the thoughts begin to come back again. So what do I do? I kept right on talking. I kept right on saying that scripture. A lot of people think that if they have great faith that they speak once, maybe twice, and everything goes away. That's not true. There are times when you have to continue to fight and use your sword. The Bible talks about a man in the Bible named Eliezer who fought for King David. He fought all day long with a sword so hard that when the day was over, the sword was frozen to his hand. He couldn't release his grip That's the kind of faith that we've got to have. I am going to speak God's Word. I'm going to settle in on God's Word. And this is what I'm going to put my faith in. So what we see here is that there is a knowing that is the thing that gives us faith. We know the Word, and that comes before the trial. Smith Wigglesworth, the great apostle of faith, said it like this. If you wait to get faith when you need it, you've waited too long. And that's the that's the real truth. You need to develop your faith when everything's going smoothly. Then when a trial comes, you know what to do. Well, that's all my time for today, but we will pick up here again tomorrow. I will see you then. Thanks. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people, so take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.